This episode of the Health Lawyer Podcast is brought to you by Whitehead Legal, who exclusively advise in commercial matters in the healthcare landscape throughout Australia, be it dentists, veterinarians, allied health practitioners, medical practitioners, health entrepreneurs and health corporates. All health practitioners need a good legal team who understand the healthcare landscape. What sets Whitehead Legal apart from other firms is an intangible, the health law intellectual property or health law IP. Because of Whitehead Legal's exclusivity in acting for health practitioners, they understand the process and the critical commercial and operational issues for health practitioners. Their specialization, their exclusivity, their ever-growing health practitioner knowledge bank, their health industry history, their continued collaboration and trust within the commercial health industry are the fundamentals of their key health law IP. Whitehead Legal's observations indicate that many health practitioners are commonly advised by lawyers who may not have the necessary health law IP or fully understand the commercial and intricate and sometimes idiosyncratic nature of health practitioners and their practices. Go to whiteheadlegal.com.au Yeah, and you're an anti-dentist. You're a veterinarian? That's right. I myself was a dentist. I was proud to be a dentist. I did not hide the fact that I was a dentist. If we give up our dental plan, I'll have to pay for Lisa's braces. I'll take a bet over an MD any day. They gotta be able to cure Lisa, a chicken, a pig, a frog, all on the same The Health Lawyer Podcast. Okay, let's get this started. So the importance of town planning, whether you're starting up an additional practice or a clinic, you're starting up your own, your first practice, or you're buying a, a dental practice or a veterinary practice or, or a physio practice, or you're selling your, your, your practice, regardless of whether you're starting up, buying, you're selling, Premises town planning status is of critical importance. Let's go through some of the town planning queries that I put to my clients, some of the typical responses that I get from my clients and our responses. This will hopefully give you a bit of an illustration on, on the critical elements of the town planning due diligence. Okay, so the first query that I put through to my clients on town planning is, well, what is the status of the town planning? What is the status of the existing town planning permit? Usually, uh, we get a positive result in, in, in that the essence that there's a town planning permit to provide over. But when there's not a town planning permit, that's when it leads into different questions. In most circumstances, a town planning permit should have been procured when your, the practice started up. So if you're starting up a practice or you're starting up an additional practice, town planning permit is very likely required. If you are buying a practice, ask the broker uh, to provide some documentation or ask the vendor directly uh, whether or not the permit is available, is to be handed over whilst you're doing your due diligence. 
if you're starting up, ask the leasing agent uh, for the permit history. So the next query we put through is usually when there's no uh, town planning permit uh, in existence. So we ask how long has the practice carried been carried on at the premises? Um, if the practice is less than 15 years old, so we're looking at 2006 plus, it's very likely that a town planning permit was required when the practice was established. So if it's not there, that's a, a slight red flag in your due diligence, but it's not something that can't be overcome. Um, if the practice is older than 15 years, well, existing use, and there is no uh, town planning permit um, available at hand, the existing use privileges may well apply, um, and that may well remove the need for a town planning permit. Uh, there are state-by-state state, uh, intricacies here that do need to be taken into consideration. When you are getting into the town planning status and, temp and dis discovery stage of your, your practice or your startup, give us a call and we will discuss the state-by-state state, uh, intricacies. It's better to discuss it via telephone rather than really go in depth here. So the next query we put through is, well, what is the current use? Is it an as-of-right use? And most practitioner, health practitioners come back and go, well, that's legal talk. What are you talking about? <laughs> well, as-of-right use in many jurisdictions applies for premises that have consistently held the same amount of practitioners at any one time. So if you're looking at one practitioner over five years, that's five years, that's not 15. If you're looking at two practitioners over 17 years with no, no ups or downs, no three, four practitioners at once, then that is a change to the existing use. And this leads on to our next query, and that's, as I've said before, how many practitioners practice at the premises at any one time? So if the response is between one and four in the past 10 years, well, that isn't consistent. Uh, if the response was two consistently at any one time for 15 years, then as of right, the usage wouldn't have changed. The privilege of the existing use privileges would also likely be uh, triggered there. Another query is on the actual town planning permit. So if a permit is provided to us, we look at um, the restrictions in the permit. Now, does the town planning permit restrict the amount of practitioners practicing at any one time at the premises? So uh, there, there are a few responses to this that we get. And one leads to car parking reduction schemes from local council ordinances, which allow for yeah, car parking reduction in order to facilitate the amount of dental practitioners practicing in the practice. Be quite cognizant though that if you're going from a one to two practice and you want to have a three to four uh, practitioner practice practicing at any one time, uh, it, that, that leap may not be acceptable by the council. So that's why it's critical to establish at the 
uh, early stage of due diligence, whether or not your future plans, whether or not you want three practitioners and the permit only says one or two, whether or not that's actually going to be allowed for, whether or not it's by way of a town planning permit amendment uh, or a revised permit, or yeah, the council car parking reduction schemes. And one of the final, very uh, often overlooked elements of the town planning permit is whether or not the town planning permit, the existing permit, or if the permit that you that you received after you've applied, if you're starting up and after you've applied for the, um, the permit and it comes back to you, does the town planning permit restrict the, your operating hours? Does it uh, allow for weekend surgery or surgery uh, or, or, seeing, or clinicians seeing clients after five o'clock during weekdays? Um, this, well, is, is clearly in, the, in this day and age, patients want, patients and, and clients want after 5 p.m. weekdays, they want to be able to see their physio, their dentist, their vet after hours. And they want weekend appointments. Not all planning permits, though, allow for these extensive hours. The buyer startup due diligence, um, that's something that is fairly critical for your future planning. If you're, clearly, if you're planning on, on practicing outside of the permitted hours on the town planning permit, well, you could be in breach of that permit. So what are the key takes on this fairly critical uh, due diligence item? Well, for when you're buying a dental practice, part of your or my due diligence is assessing the status of the town planning permit, to review the permit, to ensure that the actual use of the or by the practice owner um, is not in breach of the permitted amount of practitioners actually on site at any one time and the operating hours. So we've discussed fairly uh, at length about those critical elements and the critical restrictions to look out for. Uh, it's also important to distinguish a building permit and a town planning permit. They are separate, they're separate permits. So when you actually are provided to disclose these, the, this important document, uh, you really need to ascertain the, that it is the correct document you're looking at. And there are fairly common examples of town planning permits to look at. I can help out looking at your town planning permit if you uh, need to, uh, some brief assistance in that due diligence element. Um, they are, that is part of our due diligence, Whitehead Legal Due Diligence Compendium Package. And another key take here for when you're selling your dental practice out of, out of those that questionnaire, those responses that we, that we just ran through is, well, if you're a vendor, you're selling a practice and you have a practice without a permit or you're in breach of your current permit, this will not necessarily frustrate your potential sales. So the practice age and evidence of long and continued use is accepted as compliance in many situations. And uh, lawyers uh, should be ready to advise their clients not to unnecessarily fret or stress out if there are permit issues that can be overcome. You just need to work through them uh, commercially. The 
is clearly though this is clearly <laughs> subject to any clear and fundamental breaches of the town planning permit like you have a, a practitioner permit of what allowing for one and you have seven practitioners practice there at any one time that's a red flag that's an obvious red flag um but look vendors when you're selling you should be willing to also warrant in the practice sale agreement the the document the transaction documentation that you'll be uh, signing off on that you'll be able to you'll be should be willing to warrant that you hold all the statutory certifications licenses registrations approvals permits um, consents and authorizations necessary to run the practice to carry on the practice at the practice premises this is a key warranty to cut to also gives uh, the purchaser of your practice uh, a requisite level of comfort and the final key take is for those that are starting up a practice or starting up an additional practice so your lease your heads of agreement your agreement to lease lease proposal offer to lease whatever the managing agent gives to you the, uh, or wishes to wishes for you to sign so don't sign anything before you have a lawyer look at it that's just one that's 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 um not commercial to do to do that because there's always intricacies in those agreements that need to be that really should be looked at, um, and one of them is that it must be subject to town planning due diligence and appropriate town planning conditions. So let's get into that just a little bit because this is an entire podcast um, on its own, dealing with um, uh, leasing agents whilst negotiating heads of agreements um, with conditions precedent. This is the one, this is a very critical condition precedent. So your permit, um, if you're planning, planning to start up a practice, your permit needs to state admitted usage, so be it uh, physio, uh, dental, veterinary. There might be a catch-all phrase for medical in a lot of, a lot of council ordinances, there's catch-all phrases for, for medical. So if it does say medical and you're a dentist, it's very likely captured under that, uh, that umbrella term. The, the permit needs to state the minimum amount of practitioners which you require to practice at any one time. So if it's three, you need three in the permit. Um, the minimum amount of operating hours and days. So if you want to operate on weekends or in the evening, then yeah, ensure that your permit allows it. Um, you would be remarkably surprised about the what is issued out of, counsel, out of councils. Um, out of their town planning departments, there you put you the applications quite often don't line up with um, with the produced permit. So it's very critical that uh, your lease, your heads of agreement, lease documentation is subject to satisfactory town planning, um, town, the town, the satisfactory town planning status. The um, as I said before, do. <laughs> We don't recommend um, signing uh, or executing any document with any leasing agent or directly with the landlord, uh, which doesn't address uh, town planning, um, or or any any or it doesn't address any permitted use at all. So today's podcast has been uh, quite captivating for those who are currently doing due diligence on uh, buying or starting up or starting up additional practice, um, but also maybe for those vendors out there that are slightly fretting about whether or not they have existing use privileges or whether or not they have a town planning permit, 
course, all, uh, all practitioners in any of those phases, give me a call. I'm happy to, to discuss um, the status of uh, your practice in regards to town planning. This is, this is what I do. Um, the due diligence aspect is is something that can't that, that can be overcome. So it, it shouldn't be a, a, it shouldn't be something that can't be worked out with um, between us, the your purchaser or your managing agent, with your leasing of someone, or um, with other uh, the other lawyer acting commercially. Um, due diligence on this process uh, surrounding permits is quite often misunderstood. Um, and it's often seen as an irritation to a lot of parties and a lot of um, uh, landlords' advisors or uh, uh, sometimes agents, sometimes other lawyers uh, uh, misunderstood to understand the process where due diligence takes you. So delays can occur often in satisfying um, reasonable town planning queries. They shouldn't, but it, it does happen. Um, Without proper management and cooperation from all parties, the delays just continue on. There the, the are fairly simple queries as to permitted usage, minimum amount of practitioners and times. Uh, that's, yeah, look, sometimes when there's a, an answer that doesn't want to be given, it takes time to get that, that answer out of other people. Um, our due diligence, our wider legal due diligence compliance checks allow for um, these town planning queries. They not only discover the issues, um, but they also assist and manage to get the solutions to those issues. So, look, in, in totality, gives, uh, feel free to call us to discuss the town planning status. And it's quite an, quite an inter interesting element of, um, of the commerciality in your practice journey. Um, it's one of those things you should, really should just tick off when you're starting up a practice or if you're buying a practice to make sure it's parked there. Because if you're starting up and buying, in 10 years you're thinking about selling, the, the, the purchaser is always going to be asking the same question. So it's better to have everything done now in the, the genesis stage, right now to get it all done, have it parked, you, you, you've got your, your permit, you're ready to go, have it all ready. And then in time, well, when you're working on your succession planning, you've already got that answer to that due diligence question. So that's it for today's episode of the Health Lawyer Podcast with Julian Whitehead. Remember to like, share and subscribe. If you want to discuss the, any of these items further, my contact details are in the description of the podcast. And thank you very much for listening today.